Hey guys, Hunter here. Wanted to ask you a quick favor. Uh, we're really trying to grow the podcast and it would really help us if you would leave us a review. So go on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you listen to the podcast and leave us a review. It's going to help more people find out about us. So we appreciate it. Now let's get to the show. back with the Coyote Fitness Podcast. Hunter here coming to you from Flowood with Caleb and Tyler. And today we're going to talk about the CrossFit Games. We uh, just watched the CrossFit Games happen last weekend. And we are just going to kind of talk about uh, what we saw, what we thought about it. And then we're going to kind of talk about what you guys can take away from the CrossFit Games. What maybe you could learn from watching them and apply it to your own uh, health and fitness journey. Because it's uh you know it's very entertaining to watch the best in the world uh compete and throw down but uh it's always fun to learn a little bit of something as well and and what we can apply to uh to our own lives and help us uh get better so it should be a fun discussion today talking all things uh crossfit games the the games is something that we look forward to every year and it uh for me i think is is something that over time has shifted kind of the way that you view it and now just I feel like the level of fitness is has gone so so much further I think even and so much has progressed so much quicker than even we expected to where now I think even more so people in the gym every day can just have a have a greater appreciation for um, just how insane this is and how how much um, CrossFit athletes are separated from CrossFit in your everyday gym, and I think that's a really healthy thing. And so um, the further that the games get away from what people should expect to do or want to do in the gym, the better it is and the more we can just appreciate watching and saying that that's a complete, you know, that is, these people are on a different planet. And um, in the past, I felt like it was a little bit blurry. It always kind of felt that way. But for me, it's been fun to watch and see that the it's just pure inspiration almost um yeah. it's it's nuts I've, I've always seen the games as a uh, kind of a cool way where people from around the world i mean if you don't really know much about the games you know it's you know where people from around the world are, are competing a, a, and against each other doing the same events um and so i've always thought it's also been really cool from like a brand's perspective i've kind of kept up with that over the over the years and enjoyed seeing how crossfit and the crossfit games and how separate they are have kind of gone down these roads with different brands um and different names and different faces and characters over the years um and so seeing kind of how the different characters over the years and the athletes have progressed have been really cool i enjoyed um watching annie thor's daughter this year um especially i mean being her 13th crossfit games year like that's just wild to me you know it's like like you said like a different planet um so yeah totally separate but cool in its own way for sure. Annie Thor's uh, daughter is a great example to kind of hone in on the point you were making, Caleb, about uh, how the games has changed since it started in the level of competition. And when I started CrossFit in 2010, the game seemed something that was very attainable to a lot of people. I, I knew a lot of people who said they were quote unquote training for the games. And because it was an event where the first couple of years, anybody could just show up and do it. And it, you know, it, it, it was almost like a, you know, like a, 
a marathon or a 5k or a trail run that you can just sign up and go out and do and you train all year and then there's no question whether you're gonna be able to do it or not and then it quickly surpassed that to where there's qualifying stages but the first year annie thor's daughter competed in 2018 i think she couldn't even do a muscle up she got her first ring muscle up at the crossfit games and yeah. now she is you know snatching well over 200 pounds and uh, doing feats that are just phenomenal and so you can kind of trace that path to where the crossfit games used to be a display of the fittest people who were following the crossfit.com methodology and you they all wanted to show up and and throw down and uh show off their fitness to now it is a professional sport with sponsors and it's on espn it's on espn the main channel uh which i think is the first time i've ever seen on the actual espn people were watching bars and and stuff this this year which was cool to see but it 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 has caused a separation which you know we can kind of talk about this for a second but i think it's very very good for the vast majority of people because i saw it firsthand with countless people coming in and joining a gym and thinking they were going to make it to the crossfit games and training running themselves into the ground and either getting hurt or getting burnout or whatever and then leaving and never coming back uh, because they had this idea that they were going to be able to make it to the games in a year of training. And now we know that that is outside of the realm of possibility for anybody, no matter how fit they are. There's no way you could qualify for the CrossFit Games within a year of training. It, 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 you probably couldn't do it in five years of training if you're starting from ground zero. And so most people can kind of see that big, vast um, discrepancy between where you are when you start to what those people are doing on the games now. And I think that's a good thing overall for the – the fitness community because yeah. it, it sets this boundary of you don't need to be coming into the gym for three hours a day for six days a week um, to, to, to train just to try to make it to the games because that's not going to happen for most people. So let's drop it back and do find something that's more sustainable where we can make a slower progress over a longer time, time horizon. The analogy that I've thought of countless times now is it's almost, it's almost becoming the NFL in the sense of how far out of reach it is for the average person and that it would just be i actually someone uh shout out to uh lee swindle but he sent me this funny uh instagram video and this guy was talking about theoretically like if you were an nfl running back and you were guaranteed 20 carries like how many yards do you think you could get if you got 20 carries in a game and how long could you avoid injury and how many yards could you pick up and it just was like, in my mind, I was thinking, I would never go near that ball. Like, just watching, thinking about an NFL linebacker. No one, no grown adult, no one who starts maybe even in college is like, I want to go to the NFL. Unless you are gifted in a way that people see you and they're like, that's a different type of human being. Um, or you grow up in a way and in an environment where that may be possible. No one else does that. I've never met anybody in real life that as a, as a uh, adult or, you know, even college teenager is like, yeah, I want to be an NFL linebacker. If you're going to be an NFL linebacker, you know, you are like, you, yeah. you know, from the time you're 12, 13. Um, and so for me, this is, again, that separation is such a healthy thing because you can watch it, you can admire it, but it doesn't change how you view exercise. It doesn't put pressure on you to feel like, oh, I need to try to do those things because they're getting so astronomically, uh, they're becoming such uh, an outlier 
that now we can appreciate it for what it is. And it's like you said, it's, it's not blurring into some sort of a fantasy for people in their day to day that affects the way that they need to do the best in the gym every day for their family and yeah. for their life and for their job and for their longevity. As a programmer, I've always enjoyed looking at the workouts and saying, oh, I want to try some of these or let's do some of these in class or let's have the competitors do some of these. But you can't even do any of the workouts anymore yeah. in class. Like they're so far out of what anybody inside the gym can even do. They couldn't even complete it. There's one workout that I saw that we could do um, in our competition track. But all the other workouts just outside of the max snatch and clean and jerk. And, I mean, we could do that, and nobody's going to even come close to any of the, the weights that they, they lifted for the most part. I mean, maybe a few people will go, go close to on a few of them. But um, there's only one workout that you could even think about doing inside the gym, and it's been that way for a couple of years, whereas – seven eight nine years ago you could do almost every single workout and they were doable for a lot of people it would just they were going to go slower than the people at the games well now you most people couldn't even complete these except for you know like there's the 5k trail run obviously people could do that but for the most part there's one like crossfit type workout that that we could actually do inside the gym and so just that's a testament to show how far in advance these things have gotten you mean helena yeah, Helena. So, yeah, Helena, you could do it, but again, the whole point of where that workout was is the, it, the time domain, the time domain that they're choosing is a separate workout for the most part, you know? And so, even like the sandbag workout with the skier, like, sure, if you can pick up a 200 pound sandbag, like, you could do that workout. But you're not going to do it in four and a half minutes yeah. in five yeah. minutes. Like six minute time. They gap. were ski. Yeah. They were skiing. 27 to 30 calories in about a minute to a minute and 15 seconds a 30 calorie row in a minute and 10 seconds for people is moving uh to ski and then to squat it was so those are things that you're right i I did notice and that was one thing i was going to ask you all about was what do you think about how a lot of these workouts that you're watching now you can't even do in the gym they use the sandbag in more workouts in the last two years than um you know, that make it where like, well, can't do that in the gym. Can't practice that that's, one. That's one thing I was thinking back on. And I do wish there was at least a couple of workouts that were more accessible. So people could even to scale it to, to, yeah. to scale or it, just, yeah. just accessible in the gym. We could, tr- some people who wanted to could try it. And then you could say, wow, those guys beat me by 10 minutes on this yeah. workout. And, and, and it was it, their it, 11th it, workout it gives, in yeah, three days. It gives a little more perspective to how fit they are. But, you know, for the most part, the last couple of years, the workouts have been so out there and unattainable for in, being able to do inside the gym. You can't even compare yourself. And so I think it's, it's great to have a lot of workouts like that. But I would like to see a couple more that were a lot more basic, a lot more accessible and just basic. How hard can you go? How much work capacity do you have? Um, and I do understand that those people are so fit, they do, they do need a separator, but I do think you can still, with a well-designed test, separate um, the, the feel with um, some basic movements and uh, a lower weight and lower skill that's a little bit more attainable for the average person to be able, or you know, the average competition person could be able to do inside, in, inside a gym and just compare and see, wow, these people really fit. It's like going to the uh, Olympics and letting an average person run 100 meters. We could all go out and run a 100-meter dash, and we know. Just uh, how slow yeah. we are. <laughs> <laughs> like, we all can can grasp that um, a, a sub-10-second 100-meter dash is really, really fast. But because we all have run that distance at some point, 
Um, but you know, for most of these workouts, we can't even comprehend how good they're doing because it's something, a workout that we can't even do. It's, uh, and that kind of what I've thought back as y'all were saying that is the difference in the terminology of what they've used to describe the workouts at the games. And when Dave Castro was orchestrating and leading, creating the programming and writing the events, he called them events. Yeah. And they were meant to be a bit of a spectacle, right? They, They were meant to entertain. They were meant to put on a show as well as, you know, provide uh, the right stimulus. Whereas over the last, this year especially. And last year. And last year, they're written as tests. Yeah. And so I think that's an interesting perspective and something that um, I think Boz kind of had a little bit of flack at first just because change is hard for people and it's different. But these workouts and these, these were designed to be test. And because the games is meant to test the fittest in the world, I think as far as tests go, they were great tests. Now, it may not be the most entertaining thing to watch a 40-minute bike ride, but it is a test of fitness. And so as far as uh, – and kind of like what we were talking about before is like as far as entertainment goes, um, it may not, in my opinion, been the most entertaining games to watch. But from a like a perspective from the programming, from the test side of things, I think that the tests were brilliantly designed and they were put together to test – multiple different aspects of fitness um from different levels of people from different areas of the world and, and ages i think one thing that they're they're doing and they they have to do this is because when you get back to the methodology of not being predictable and having something that's constantly varied um is when you when you when the sport advances to a place where you do have athletes training you know, six to eight hours a day putting in at least effort to whether it be mobility or, you know, say they're doing three to four, you know, hours of actual training or whatever it is for different people and you spread it out throughout the whole day, every day, all of a sudden it's very easy if you were just to be limited in the confines of the gym, it would become predictable because it's not meant to be eight hours a day. You can only do so many things in the gym. And so when they start to expand beyond that, they get back to that methodology of, it shouldn't just be, you can only do so many muscle ups, toes to bar, pull ups, you know, handstand walk, things in the gym. So eventually, because the sport has progressed, they're trying to progress outside of the walls of the gym and outside of that predictability. But that also means that it becomes less relatable because gyms can't do that. Like we can't do box get overs because practically those rogue boxes that they did, one, they take up a ton of room, two, they're super, super expensive. And all of a sudden you start throwing all these different things and it's like, all right, they're doing that because they want them to not be so predictable. They want them to have to train even more of a broad area, but we're not able to do that practically in the gym. And so that's where you start to, I think you do start to lose a little bit of the relatability and, and I get what they're trying to do. Um, but it can be, like we said, it can be a little bit. I think that, uh, uh, I'm glad that Dave Castro is back in the mix, and I think things will be a little bit different going forward. And uh, it all, he is the best at creating, like you said, a spectacle and something that's entertaining to watch and relatable to to the to the people watching. And so I think him having him more involved going forward is going to be great. And I don't think he was brought on um, back in enough time to have a big impact on this games. And I think we'll see a lot more in the next games, which will be which will be really good because. Um, he has a ton of experience and he did a great job with it. 
Um, so what were you, uh, what, what kind of stood out to you guys? Uh, I know the biggest moment that stood out to me, um, and I'll go, uh, you know, I can go over that in a minute, but what, what really stood out to you guys as you watched uh, the games this year? For me, it was the age of all the newer and younger competitors. Mm-hmm. Uh, Olivia Kersetter, she was two or three times in a row fittest teen on earth and got rookie of the year this year. Um, I'm a, I was a big Jacob Hepner fan, and like I, I also on social media, like love his presence. And he's trained her throughout the years with his programming, and she comes out and places her rookie year higher than his rookie year, as well as leagues beyond fitter because it's years later and the level has gone up um and so i was super impressed to see 17 year olds so she's 17 she's either 17 or or 18 16 or 17 there was someone one of her one of them was not 18 yeah she's she was i think she's she's under 18 i think she's 17 and uh just seeing how impressive like that is to me is like this person like it cannot legally buy alcohol at a store but is hanging with people that like Annie Thor's daughter who has been at the games for 13 years mm-hmm. and composing herself, like acting yeah. as a true professional. And I had another note, another thing that stuck out to me was the barbell weights that were moved yeah. by some of these athletes during the max lifts. Um, a 21 year old Jack Farlow, 305 pound snatch and a 396 pound clean jerk. It's crazy. It's uh, nuts to me. I just, I was like super impressed and wild by like, yeah, that age and that weight discrepancy. Emma Lawson's eighteen. Eighteen. Yeah, that's she was in first place going into the second to last event. So that's so and, impressive to me. And we forget too that like Mal O'Brien, if she would have been there, she would have been on the podium. And and she's Haley Adams would have been as much of a contender. Yeah. She's nineteen. I mean, yeah. you're talking she's about young. the podium now is getting more to like the Olympics, like that kind of that Olympic feel where you start to you start to see that the the I guess the ages do – it's possible to be 17, 18 years old and compete with the yeah. best. Runner. Well, what you're seeing is a transition from the first 10, 12 years of the CrossFit Games, the athletes had played a sport, another sport beforehand, or they did gymnastics beforehand. Well, now you're seeing the people who – CrossFit has been their sport since they were 8 or 10 years old, coming of age, and so they're just so much more advanced than everybody else. They haven't developed um, the – mobility issues the bad technique flaws or whatever the time spent i mean think about if you played sports in high school how much time you spent practicing football or practicing basketball or soccer or whatever it was if all that time was spent just doing crossfit how good you would be at it and so that's what you're seeing is these young people that have been spent their entire life devoted to this one sport and pursuit and so it's only going to continue to progress and i know i mean a 20 year old 21 year old sets the uh, clean and jerk record for a competition i mean it's only it'll probably yeah. be within a year that somebody clean and jerks over 400 and snatches you know close to 350 yeah, for guys which is just <laughs> mind-boggling um and then the uh the 5k times i know they they measured they the, measured it the, in yards is they, what someone said they measured it short but still the times were incredibly fast so the winning time was under 17 and i think if you it put them around 18 minutes i think they said a minute yeah, and a half still so they, w- they still would have been under 18 the winning times would have been under 18 because i think the winning time was like 16 30 three off-road subs yeah. six minutes and that's and that's also not on yeah a track. Not, it's a trail run number one it's not on the track so it's going to be slower number two that was like their day three event i think they'd done six events at that point and then they come back and lift three or four hours after that and are cleaning, jerking, and snatching. And it, it, 
a crazy amount of weight. It just goes to show, like, these are the best athletes in the world. I would argue they're the best athletes and the fittest people in the world. And um, yeah. any sport, any, any, sport any, any, across any domain, any domain, anything, they can do so many different things so well. It's just um, mind-boggling to see they're turning, you know, typical thought on its head where you can't be strong and fast at the same time. Well, they're putting up incredibly fast endurance times on 5K run, and then they're also lifting very competitive weights in the clean jerk and snatch, and they're doing all – they're walking on their hands and doing handstand push-ups, free hand, standing handstand push-ups like it's nothing. It's just amazing how athletic and skilled these people are. Uh, it's crazy. Sorry, I was, uh, something about the freestanding handstand push-up was like last year that was such a big deal. And then, then this year, every athlete – I was watching uh, – They I, just blew through it. Yeah, I was watching um, – I think it was uh, uh, Brent Fikowski was actually talking through on his Instagram like – uh, yeah, you'll kick down from the ramp, and then, yeah, handstand push-up, handstand push-up, handstand push-up. And if you want to sit down, you can, but, you know, probably going to – everyone's going to go unbroken. It's, like, so nonchalantly saying, like, yeah, everyone's going to do, like, 12 unbroken handstand push-ups in the middle of a handstand walk. I, I think, think – Go ahead. Nuts. No, I was just going to say – were you talking about that? You can say yours. Yeah, I was just going to say that part of that workout that was really overlooked that I know how hard it is is coming back off of the pullovers – and they had to kick up onto the elevated mat and straight into a pirouette and handstand walk down. That is extremely, extremely difficult. And I've done a lot of handstand work myself, and I was like, man, that's going to be tough for people. And they were just going straight up into it like it was nothing. Nothing to it. And, I mean, these these people are – they have so much muscle in their body, and for them to be able to do that so effortlessly, is just it's just crazy. The, the thing that I was going to say, one of my takeaways, is I think we're getting better. I think that the athletes are going to – there will always be something that maybe gets thrown at them, but I think that the athletes are now learning to train it before it gets tested, and they're doing that better than they have in the past. In the past, it was always something that got thrown at them that they hadn't prepared for and had to learn on the go. And you saw that with the, with the double under crossovers. And now it's just like, duh, you can do double under crossovers. Tia said in the yeah. video, in one of her videos um, of her coming back to training, my wife was watching, finding inspiration in her journey through pregnancy and postpartum. But she was talking about like, that's just something they do all the time now. And again, because they're training for so long every day and their body's so much more capable, they can learn all this stuff before it gets tested. And they have pullovers. And was that workout 15? Was it 12 or 15? I think it was 16. 16 pullovers? pullovers? 16 pullovers. It was 16 or 18. I think it was 16 pullovers. I've, I've got the perfect. And, well, at the end of the day, like Medeiros, for whatever we could talk about that, whatever happened to him, he goes unbroken on 16 in a row. And yeah. he already knows how to string them together in the 16. middle of a sprint so he can just go straight from oh there's a new movement a pullover and he does 16 in a row and so i just think about i think athletes are getting to a point where they're just training things before it gets tested now and that's something that the greats used to do rich Froning, yeah. he's known for that i heard someone in the gym talking about he used to just goof off on his hands walking around the track like you're talking about the distance around the track mm -hmm. and that was one of the advantages that he had and so now all of a sudden you're starting to see athletes who are becoming more creative before they get to the test. And that's one of the things I think that we're going to start to see more of um, less embarrassment of not being able to do. But now it's like, all right, there will not be a – I'm going to try to get creative and do stuff that hasn't been programmed yet so that I'm prepared for the unknown. And also they're 
training every single day, the body control, coordination, agility, all the things that it takes to learn a new movement. So they're able to learn movements really, really quickly on the fly, or they are able to learn them in the warm up area before they even start, because that's what they do every single day is train their body. And it just reinforces to me how this is the best training in the world for any sport that you're playing because you're, you're training all the 10 physical skills that are going to allow you to pick up any new skill in any new sport rapidly and, and perform it very, very well. And you see them able to perform at a very high level on high-level gymnastic skills as well as weightlifting as well as endurance in lots of different modalities and that's just translating straight over into any other sport that you that you could play and so like you you took you could take any of these athletes and put them in any professional sport and they would figure out how to be very proficient at it very very quickly and so they you know i just think that it, it's just amazing the level of athlete that is out that we're watching on there um, yeah. What was another – any other takeaways you guys had? No, I know you had one that you wanted to talk a little bit. Yeah, so uh, – well, I had two. Number one was uh, being back on ESPN was really cool to see and on the regular ESPN and not ESPN the Ocho or whatever it used to be <laughs> back back in the day. But uh, it was like on ESPN in prime time on Friday, Saturday. Obviously, it's a great time of year because there's not really anything else on. But I heard people talking about – people were watching the events and, at a bar and talking about it. And it's real – you know, some, the ones they had on ESPN, they did good as far as, like, making them entertaining to watch. And so that was really cool. Um, the, the commercials were great. They were really talking about people who – uh, had joined the gym and it was life changing for them. And that's what we talk about all the time. You know, this is life changing for so many people. And that's why we want to get the word of health and fitness out there. But just Roman Krennikov, I mean, yeah. that was to me, that's one of the most memorable um, moments of CrossFit games history to me for him to number one, the event. And I think they came out and said it was poorly designed. And when I was watching it, I, I told my wife, I was like, this is a terribly designed workout there. So they're throwing all their sandbags over, and then at the end they have to jump over the last one where all their sandbags are. That's just a recipe for disaster because that, that beam was really high, and sure enough, the front runner, the leader, is the one that breaks his foot and lands on a sandbag wrong, which could have been completely avoidable with a better design test. And that's where I come back to say Dave Castro would never. Yeah. He never he, – he thought about that kind of stuff, and it never would well, have happened. it goes if, back – it's the ropes. It's the ropes yep, the being ropes. too long yep. and them not listening and saying, yep. hey, this is going to hurt somebody. And Last sure enough, year it happened. front yeah. runners, 10-year veteran tears that, his ACL. That, that never would have happened with Dave Castro coming up with the workouts because that was just a poorly designed workout. So, number one. But then for him to go back out on the floor the last two events to still try to get on the podium was just awesome. And we all as fans missed out on what could have been an awesome showdown on the final event between Adler and Roman. And I really think it would have come down to that last event. And I really think Roman would have won if he had not got hurt. Because, But, you know, it is what it is. It didn't happen that way. But I really look forward to him next year, to watch him next year. And I'm even a bigger fan of him now. And I really think that Brent Fikowski dropped the bar on the last thing to let him get the uh, on the podium. Hmm. If you go back and watch, he dropped the bar right before the finish and like three or four people passed him. I would bet a lot of money that he dropped the bar to let Roman stay on the podium. So go back and watch that if you want. But that was a really cool moment. And um, Brent was even getting got emotional, ch- emotional yeah. talking about Roman when he hurt his foot, um, which, I mean, kudos to Brent. That's yeah. really, really cool for him to – to, if if that is what happened, but I really think he did drop the bar to let to let uh, Roman win. But just for him to go back out there do single leg, double unders, and uh, which by the way is definitely going to reappear now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> heavy then, heavy single. And then also double. you know riding the bike with 
with just his arms and just going through it. And you could see in the interview when he didn't speak English very well, but he heard the guy say, you were still on the podium. He just like, he, he started yeah. beaming. He just lit up cause he still made it on the podium and gosh, that was such a cool moment. So to me, that was, that was the moment of the games and the talking point of the whole games. One of the things that makes it very, even more emotional and why this would not be the case if it was a different sport, um, even an individual sport is again, because there's only one, because there's only one games every year and because the amount of training that they do and because the margins are so, so close between athletes, it makes it even more emotional because you understand this is not a sport where you can take three or four months and go on a bender and go off to different countries and spend time. Yeah. You know, it's not, this is not a sport where you can drink beer and change, you know, have your diet off. Like this is a sport where it takes every, every part of your life has to, has to change in order for you to pursue this. Um, you know, I would argue that in the NFL for an NFL linebacker or a lineman, you know, they probably have a little more flexibility in what they eat and, you know, how they sleep and how they spend a lot more flexibility, you know, like it's in, and almost every sport, but this is one where, and you listen to, you know, Matt Fraser was kind of famous for talking about the, the detail that he went into in his life and the things that have to shift around in order to pursue this particular sport where, um, all of those factors can be the difference. And so I think that, um, I think that for, for this, that's what brings so much more emotion into it for people is because it truly is a life altering decision to, to pursue this, um, versus, you know, another sport like a Nick Kyrgios. I think that's how you say his name in tennis. I watched the, I watched that documentary and he's just kind of like, people are like, man, he doesn't even really try. And he has the, he, it's like, does he care or not? Is he really? And he comes out and he can be the best, you know, one of the best in the world and, you know, go to the Wimbledon final. You just can't do that. Like you don't go to the CrossFit games and get on the podium and, and people wonder, do you care or not? And so the amount of effort that goes into it, it also carries with it that emotion. And so I think the other athletes recognize that and that's what made it even more special. We watched the Johnny Manziel documentary last night and he was literally talking about, he was playing football games in college, hung over and didn't watch any film when he was a professional, but he was just such a good athlete. He could get away with it. You can't do that kind of stuff in, in, in this sport. Like it is a dead a hundred percent of your life dedicated for years to be able to get to that point. And so that's why they all, those guys and girls, they all recognize what it takes to get there. And I think there's just a deep mutual respect between all the athletes. Yeah, I think, um, and from a branding perspective, I'll be interested to see this next year where they're taking the games um, and how that's going to affect the different partners and brands. Because what we know now is that – and predict, we, predict where you think they're going to go. Predict, Whoever gets closest, we'll do something. Where I'm, the games are next year? Yeah. I'm calling it in Australia. I'm calling Carson. Back Carson, in Carson, Australia. They're going international. That's my bet. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say it's gonna be like somewhere in. It's gonna be Europe. I think it's got it. That's just the next biggest. Australia seems like it'd be so challenging. I don't know. I'm just doing something. Yeah. Like I'll get the furthest away guess. How about that? <laughs> All right. I'll say I'm gonna say somewhere in somewhere in England. I'm saying Carson. Back to Carson. Back to Carson, which would be really cool. It'd be awesome. And that's why I kind of whole like where i started out on this conversation with like the branding and the different partners that have been throughout the games throughout the years is like this has always been an international sport and it's one of the largest and fastest growing international sports and i just think it's i think what stood out to me was was it two i think it was two years ago what was they had the first cuts 
Um, was that two years? Three ago? years ago. Three I years think ago. When they now. did the big, when they the invited big all coach, the countries. We invited all the countries I in. Twenty nineteen. Twenty nineteen. Wow. Okay. There we go. Uh, but I think like that was a kind of a statement moment, like when they brought all the flags out, and it felt very Olympic esque, and mm-hmm. they were kind of mimicking that. But I think this games felt like it had its own sort of vibe and presence to it. Like I don't think CrossFit Games are trying to mimic any other type of sporting event anymore like i think there's some solidarity in the fact that this is the crossfit games it's its own thing whereas i think throughout the years there's been kind of an identity search for how they branded themselves so um i I think it's cool that they have the the noble sponsor and there's a lot of different sponsors coming through i i don't know that they they make as much money like that would be just even even more expensive yeah like think about rogues cost of trying to set up all that stuff and having to fly everything somewhere True. where the athletes can just fly a little bit closer. That would just be my only yeah. thing. Like all the brands like yeah. Noble. Well, they don't have a headquarters in a Australia. European headquarters <laughs> or Australia. So that may be the only thing, yeah. but, but they could um, have, uh, they could have, it went super international, but I mean, I'm I just think it's Tyler. <laughs> I, I'm pulling for your thoughts. I just think it's cool that I appreciate that, uh, the depth. I think all that, that is identity. just a reflection of the, uh, the multiple, the, the identity crisis at, crossfit in general because in 2019 greg glassman was still the owner and and then they had this is the, they're on their third uh ceo um in that time span and so i think continuity of leadership will be, have a bigger impact of anything and so i think we're in a they're in a place now where it will be um there be more continuity they can get a long-term plan and put it in place and i think you'll start to see that and things will start to get better again um going forward um anything like- I like seeing Jocko's face around a little bit. That was kind yeah, of, that's cool. that was a great touch. That I mean, great, that's great. a score. Yeah, you can see Jocko's drinks in our fridge soon. Um, so, any <laughs> anything else you you guys want to add? I I I just finished that. Um, I think I was thinking about it. It's like the tenth year in a row I picked the winner in men. Uh, right. <laughs> uh, well, that's only three people. But, but yeah, Adler, no, but, Adler's the most impressive yeah, one. Well, I had picked Medeiros the year he won, um, after twenty twenty one and twenty twenty two, and then I uh, picked Adler to win, and then I picked Horvath to win, and yeah, before that, obviously, it was T every year and then Frazier every year. But CrossFit, uh, more than any other sport, is such a more of a mental thing than anything. And if you really pay attention, you could see yes. who's in the right mentality leading up to it. And I um, just have been following Madero since last year, and he has been doing a lot of extracurriculars, doing lots of videos, lots of ads. He started lots of, well, just lots of – he just seemed like he was enjoying winning, which is understandable. He's a young guy, but – it seemed like he had lost the hunger. Whereas I watched Adler at the semis and just him talking after his interviews, you could see he mentally had it. He was checked yeah. in and the, the, the things he was saying after his interviews, I was like, man, I think this guy's got a chance to win. And then, um, Laura Horvath, the same, like she, the last few years, she, her body looked a lot leaner this year yep. than it had the last few years. You could tell she really got her diet in check and she was hungry for it. And then, uh, no Medeiros on the opposite end, he looked soft this year compared he did look he, soft, he, and yeah. and he did not look good and you could say it's because he wrecked his bike on the first thing but that's i don't think that's the case i, just, I mean he didn't do well to semis either i just think he mentally wasn't as hungry this year which yeah. is understandable it's hard to be hungry to win three years in a row but uh next year i'm gonna go out and say it roman's gonna win i will put a lot of money that roman won't win next year uh, we're gonna let's that. we need to put some thought into this and have and we then, need to we need to call our shots soon and we'll just do a thing where 
Let's set. Let's set up some. Let's put some stakes on it. Too early. Uh, some stakes. Some literally some stakes. stakes. No, not some stakes. Some Tyler stakes. It oh. needs. Oh, <laughs> oh, we're putting Tyler stakes <laughs> on this. Be, okay. Tyler's grass fed local stakes. Speaking on of uh, and um, next year, the women's field is going to be crazy because yeah, it's gonna be awesome. All these Mal O'Brien should be yeah. back. Uh, um, what's her name? You mentioned her earlier. Haley Adams. Haley Adams should be back. Tia will be back. I mean, Tia. Tia is my pick. I'm just throwing that out Tia, there. I, in her interview, the, again, uh, Tia, is, my wife literally is crushing on Tia so hard because of the, all the pregnancy stuff and watching that process. And now they're documenting it. It's cool. But she did say in an interview during the games, uh, during the broadcast, that she feels like her body just needed this. It's going to be the best thing in the world because she said she's hungrier now yeah. in training <laughs> than she scary. ever has. And that's a scary thought yeah. because we already know what – Women's bodies, especially through pregnancy, what they're capable of doing coming back from that. We've seen it multiple times. There are multiple women who have had babies and come back and been back to yeah. competitive. And Tia is just like talking about the mentality. I think she knows what it she knows what it takes to be successful. Yeah. And once your body gets to that point, it can go back to it very quickly. It's not like getting there for the first time. Laura Horvath, this was the first time her body has had to learn to be the fittest. Well, Tia, she already knows what it's like. She already has it. It's literally just flipping the switch on and waiting and, you know, hoping that there's nothing out of her control, you know, injury-wise that would prevent it or family-wise. If you're a female, this is the year to get your win in because Tia's coming back with a vengeance next year. I love what you said about the mentality part, though, because even Laura Horvath, like, she came in and it's almost like she was calling her shot. She's like, yeah. she I'm knew. here to bleep, bleep up. And yeah. she's like... She knew you have to have that mentality. You can't come in saying, you know, oh, I just want to do my best or whatever. It's like, I'm here to mess stuff up. Like, I'm mm -hmm. here. And a lot of people can fake it, and you can kind of tell when they fake it. But it's like when you call your shots like that and you have the – the you can, you can back it up as far as how well-rounded you are and not have a weakness, then that mentality makes all the difference. And it, it, it is a mental – I mean, it's a mental sport more than anything else, probably more than – just probably more than any other sport out there, honestly. And so it all comes down to mentality. And that's why you saw Rich Froning and Matt Frazier retire when they did. And they'll both say it's because I know what it takes to win and I just don't have that mentally to go there anymore. So they have that self-awareness. Um, one other final thought I had, uh, I think that the rest of the world has, has passed the U.S. by in the sport of CrossFit. If you look at the leaderboard, I mean, there weren't very many Americans on the top ten on either side. There was one American that got on the podium on either side and everybody wants to talk about the training camps, the hard work pays off training camp, the brute training camp yeah. in Florida, the, the mayhem training camp. But the Invictus camp was the most successful camp in the U.S. across the board, but the most successful people were from across from mm -hmm. other countries, and um, I think we've been surpassed. And so uh, I think uh, the U.S. kind of got a little fat and happy sitting on the top of the well, world for a while. And, and, and U.S. was – I mean, the rest of the world was hungry, and they and they passed the spot. It's a great point. I w I'd be interested to know how many of those people train. I mean, we know Vellner. We know um, Fikowski, Adler. They're not a part of camps, to my knowledge. No. They're individual. I mean, that's what's impressive. They're is, training in their backyard. Is Fikowski is in his garage in the snow. It's freezing cold. Like, it's not doing the – it's just amazing, I think um, – so I'm, maybe I'm that root. training camp thing, the drama that can exist in that and, and all that, it, maybe that does take a toll. I'm going to root for an American pulling up next maybe year or two is Colton Mertens. 
Uh, that dude talk about working hard in the backyard. Like <laughs> that dude, that mu- man built his hamster. own barn he by a, hand. He made a comment that just cracked me up, and he was not trying to brag at all. And there, the he had squats. Yeah, the game. He, <laughs> he had one event, and there he was like, "Yeah, I knew this wouldn't be a good one because I know I have the best squat in the game." And <laughs> he was just stating a fact. And I yeah. just was like, he was not trying to boast or brag at all. And he was like, "The fact is, on the end, you're like, you're right, it, it is." But I do think because the sport is there's a mental aspect huge mental aspect to it that you got to have that hunger to be able to go deep and you know i, I just think it's, that that it's, it's a european mindset that yeah that, maybe so it's yeah. why you see a lot of repeats too and yeah. why people once once that clicks and they know what it takes then the only thing stopping them is just retirement or deciding to pursue other things and so uh i think that's why you see so many so many of these athletes once they make it to the games they have that success all of a sudden they're there. They're going to be there yeah. repeatedly. And now that you start to have these young kids that at 17, 18, know what it's like to finish on the podium or to finish top 10 at the games. I think that, uh, like we've seen just the burnout is the only thing that's going to prevent them from doing it again. Yeah. So they smell blood. Yeah. Well, we, we were seeing a lot of hard work pays off before the games and we're not hearing a lot about it right no. now. So, um, I mean, so, I mean, it's the same for all the camps. It I don't is, know. Yeah. It, it is. It's like, uh, Every year, you know, you, the, the, the media buzz gets talking about certain things, and then when, when you show up, you find out who, who the real, real contenders were at the end of the day. So, um, great games. I'm really looking forward to where it's going. I think next year um, will be – it'll start getting on, a, on a, a rise again, and the sport will start to ascend. And really, hopefully, will turn into a professional sport that we can follow and follow along and cheer on and um, see the growth of the professional side and – separate more and more from what actually goes out on inside the rest of the gyms around the world that's actually changing lives which is what we want to do at coyote fitness so let's move on to the next segment outside the box uh we went way over on that one so we'll try to keep this really short what do you guys got going on outside the box i have a beach trip coming up leaving a week from today uh or a week from tomorrow sorry i'm looking forward to a week of relaxation at the beach with the family and recharge the batteries before um our two girls come we have uh, been getting the, uh, the house ready. The nursery's almost ready. Got the guest room ready for my wife's, uh, some, for my mother-in-law. She, come and stay, she came and stayed with us uh, last weekend, so she's going to come and stay with us. So we've been getting all that stuff, getting the final touches for that ready. So now we're almost ready and uh, ready to rock and roll for that. So that's what we got going on. We just went to the beach, and it was so hot. I just – this is, this is kind of recommends, like, uh, the beach in the fall, early spring – it's just hot beach. I just don't know if it's for us. Like mid-summer, <laughs> end of summer. So the beach. I, I, I tell you what, I hot, just hot, don't know. Hot Mississippi is not, not really yeah. heavy either of me, but it's every day I'm like, oh, no, here we go again. Out, outside it. the box, it is hot. It is so warm everywhere. Uh, so, yeah, we went on vacation. Um, it was good. Outside the box, looking forward to fall kicking off. Um Got some, uh, got some good friends who are football coaches around here. Going to support them in their football season starting up, and then uh, September, hopefully get to get to do a little bit of a uh, little bit of dove hunting. Maybe spend some time up in the in the Delta with some some friends and buddies. So fall is my favorite. I like uh, I like the fall. So I've had plenty of plenty of good times with the triple digits. So looking forward. to We that. had a gym event. I know a lot of the a lot yeah. of all of our gyms were starting to crank up and. Uh, starting to get all of our social uh, events together, and so we had a uh, had a little pool party that was uh, just a blast. It was fun hanging out with everybody outside the gym. So good. Uh, recommends I'll uh, recommend Hard Knocks once again. 
with the New York Jets, and this is the first episode was one of the best episodes I've seen in a while. It was one of my favorite episodes. It was so ever. good. Uh, it's been a while where before since it's actually been entertaining and uh, enjoyable and fun team. But the the Aaron Rodgers saga. Aaron Rodgers is this just personality and character and. He's just all over the place, and you can tell all the guys on the Jets just to, like, revere him or so happy he's on their team. And, gosh, watching him throw, it's just like poetry in motion. He, throw, he throws a, a prettier football than anybody. It looks so effortless. I don't know if it's good that they all talk about him like he's yeah. God who's <laughs> come to their – because the, half the episode was them, just all the players, like them getting footage of all the players watching actually have a real quarterback yeah. come in and, like, one of the greatest ever – uh, well, they went from hilarious. went from having a first year, probably like the yeah. worst quarterback, bottom five probably. worst quarterback play in the whole league, if not bottom three, to potentially the best quarterback play. And he's fired up and excited to be there. And it's just fun to see the enthusiasm and like there's so much positive energy and momentum inside that facility right now. I think they're going to have a great season just just picking up on what's going on. And uh, so it's going to be fun to watch. There's a uh, so uh, recommends this week. I I, I hit a sh I hit shows a lot, but there's a new show we started. My wife and I. It's called Bespoke Ends. Uh, it's on uh, Max, but it's they go around and interview all these people who, and this ties in a little bit to work. I try to keep it not too much work, but it dives into all these people who have set up these custom hotels, and um, a lot of them host and they do the cooking and all the cleaning and maybe it's a couple um and so they're these small boutique kind of hotels and they go through and i love it because we're we're reading a book on hospitality as a as a uh organization and with our different coaches and as we're in that mindset a lot of the success of these come from the details that people put into the the way that they cook the way that they clean the way they set up the different rooms and how they're all unique and so sarah and i have really enjoyed watching this and kind of uh you know, looking at the, I guess the different places all over the world where they set these, um, these different hotels up, and so, anyway, it's called Bespoke Ends. It's a, it's a little nerdy, but that's cool. Though. We're enjoying it. Yeah, nothing wrong with a little nerdy. A little custom hotel that's experience. Um, speaking of nerdy, if you're into psychology or like human, under like just like understanding the human human nature in and of Psyche. itself. Uh, human condition. The human condition, uh, we could say. Uh, Modern Wisdom. Uh, Modern Wisdom by Chris Williamson, got caught up there, um, is pretty cool one. So he interviews a lot of um, well-known kind of speakers and writers, um, like Jordan Peterson, Andrew Huberman, uh, Ryan Holiday, Robert Green. So if you recognize any of those names uh, and you like their material, Chris Williamson interviews a lot of people kind of on those type type of topics. Um, and it's not always super deep stuff, but a lot of it is, is, is pretty cool stuff. So if you're um, – they're kind of long. They're about an hour and a half long, but um, you can kind of break them up. But good listens there. Well, I'm about halfway through the four-hour wow. Post Malone, Joe Rogan podcast. That's too much for, that's, that's too much for me. That, that would take me a week. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I'll hit that up next. I've listened to a few of his episodes, and I did really like them. So – all right, that was, that was a great discussion. Fun, fun time talking about all things CrossFit Games, and uh, we will uh, catch you guys next time.
the silky smooth sounds.